All right, good morning once again, Stockbridge family. Good morning, Al. I love y'all. I'm super excited to um, be preaching the um, book of Jonah today. We're doing Jonah, continuing the Minor Prophets. And I'm excited because my intention is to blow somebody's mind. Like, that's my plan, all right? Um, I know I'm probably one of the youngest people in this room, so my mind got blown. And maybe I'm crossing my fingers that maybe one or two, maybe somebody online, your mind's going to go like, and I'm talking the mind blown where um, you remember, I don't even know when they teach us this, but maybe first grade they teach you Christopher Columbus discovered America. And then you get older, maybe like fourth grade, and they say, no, Christopher Columbus actually landed in the Caribbean. And how do you discover something that was already inhabited? Like, and um, maybe with the, well, I got kids in here. Um, maybe there's like certain, when we're children and we believe certain things and you get older, so that like, what? You mean, but no spoilers because we got kids in here. So my objective is with the book of Jonah, I'm going to say something today, and you're going to be like, what? That's my plan. So we're going to do a game before I even start the message. We're going to do a word association game. So I'll say a word, and I want you all to give me a word you associate with it. And for those of you online, feel free to do the same. So if I say peanut butter, you'll say? Awesome. All right, so for those of you online, make sure you type, but do me a favor, please don't, if you're a slow typer, don't type like 10 minutes later if I'm deep in the word and I'm like, God did this, and you type in jelly, and people are confused, why are you typing jelly? So if you're a slow typer, please like, like keep up with us. All right, here we go. First word, Rudolph. Reindeer. reindeer, I got that. That was in my notes. I put reindeer in my notes. All right, how about this? This one I got in my notes, but I'm not sure what you'll respond with. Uh, McDonald's. I had french fries, all right? But, but whatever you had, whatever you had, whatever. I just want to see what you associate with that. All right, last one. Jonah and whale. All right. I figured that. I figured that. All right. So whale, whale, whale. It's funny you should say that. That was hilarious, and I should have got a bigger laugh and applause with that. That was hilarious. I was brave enough to put that. Y'all just stared at me, it's okay. So, well, 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 funny you should say that. Um, my objective is to mess that up. My objective is to get you all to be like, if someone else says Jonah and the well, I want you to tell them it's bigger than the well. To say that Jonah is about the well is like saying Chick-fil-A is about its seating. To equate Jonah and the well is like saying, oh, Ch Chick-fil-A, well, they got the best seating in the world. Everybody knows Chick-fil-A is famous for their chairs. Like, no, we know Chick-fil-A is famous for the chicken sandwich. It's just merely a fraction. So my objective is to get you all to realize Jonah is much more than the well. As a matter of fact, when I talk about it, I'm going to skim past the well piece. The title of my sermon today, I want everybody to stay with me, is the book of Jonah, Four Signs you may be a contradictory Christian. The book of Jonah, four signs you may be a contradictory Christian. This is what I mean by contradictory Christian. Someone who's a believer, who's a follower, but their steps don't necessarily match their heart. Somebody who follows Christ, but their actions don't match the words that they might talk about. Uh, so Jonah, Four signs you may be a contradictory Christian. Now, disclaimer, my intention is to not to step on any toes. Everybody got me? All right, so I'm assuming we're friends, family in Christ. 
So if you feel like I'm talking about you, guess what? I'm talking about myself. Everything that I wrote in my message, I was thinking about me. Now, if it applies to you, it is what it is, all right? But I'm not trying to offend anyone. The book of Jonah is interesting because compared to the other minor prophets, the message is not in the words. Everything Andy has preached so far, the minor prophets are saying these beautiful words and you know, um, change and repent and how the beautiful love and judgment of God. And you have to read those verses to be like, yes, I feel it, I feel it. But with the book of Jonah, it's more about the actions. It's more about what happens and it's less about the words which Jonah speaks. Now, reminder, Jonah is a prophet. Jonah is a messenger for God. Compared to all of us regular folk, Jonah has a direct connection to God. If, 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 if we had a time machine and Jonah came here, we're like, oh, goodness, there's, there's Jonah. You're so awesome and amazing because you're actually a prophet. And I'm telling you all this to paint the perspective that this is somebody that you would assume will be a role model for your faith. The book of Jonah opens up with the first sign you may be a contradictory Christian. I'm reading from Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Jonah chapter 1. The first sign you may be a contradictory Christian. We hit it right from the gate. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now, a little historical and geographical context. Nineveh was located, make sure I get it right, located east of the Tigris River in Iraq, and Tarshish was believed to be located on the southern tip of Spain. So Tarshish was about as far west as you could go in their idea of the world. So while Jonah was given a ministry in the east, he decided to go literally in the opposite direction. So the number one sign you may be a contradictory Christian, are you running away from your ministry? Are you running away from a calling that you know is God-given? And here's how you know it's God-given. You're driving down the street and you see a problem. And when you see that problem, you already know how to fix it. But you wait for someone else to fix it. You know it's a God-given ministry on your heart when you're watching the news and you see bad things happening, and in your mind you're like, well, I wish people would do this, and I wish people would do that. And you got all the solutions, but you still sit down and you wait for someone else to act upon it. And maybe not only are you not calling on that ministry, but you put your energy in parts of your life that truly will not lead you to living a life worthy of your calling. I'm talking about you're a good person, you go to church, you take care of your kids. But then when it's time to serve, you tell yourself, well, I'm so caught up in my job, I really don't have the time the way I want to have. 
You have the opportunity to do something good for someone else. Yeah, I know I want to, and it's in my heart, but I'm, I'm, I'm busy with, with, with daycare and whatnot, so I can't do it. Are you putting so much focus on other things that you are not living a life worthy of your calling? We continue with chapter 1. And Jonah boards a ship leaving for Tarshish in an attempt to escape his ministry. And then while he's on that boat, a terrible storm occurs. I'm in chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. Now, I want you all to pay attention to this part. So this is, this, I'm starting to dig, so I hope I'm affecting someone. The sailors shouted to their gods, which implies they were not shouting to our God, the God in our eyes. We might consider, from our perspective, these sailors to be non-believers, non-Christians from our perspective. They might be non-believers, they might not be Christians, but they were at least active in their version of faith. But our hero, remember I said if Jonah came here in a time machine, the person that we would consider a role model, what's he doing? Verse 5, but all this time Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So my number two sign that you may be a contradictory Christian, are you sleepy with your faith? Are you spiritually dull when it, time, when it comes time to speak up and set an example for others? When you see problems arise and you see hurt in someone, and you know you're the person who attends church every Sunday faithfully, and that is your opportunity to speak God's name into someone's heart, speak God's truth into someone's heart. Are you asleep at the hole? And I don't want to get political, but I can be honest, in this climate, sometimes we're afraid to share our faith. With the separation of church and state, I respect that. But when you're somewhere where you know it's safe, and you know HR is not going to be on you, are you afraid to speak up to share your faith? The captain confronts Jonah with two sentences, two like sentences just hit real hard. I'm in verse six. This is the captain speaking to Jonah. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted. Get up and pray to your God. As Christians, as believers, we are equipped to do God's work. We are equipped to do God's bidding. We are equipped, we are mandated to bring heaven on earth. Matthew 5:14 says, you are the light of the world. There's problems to be solved, there's hunger to be fed, and there's needs to be met. So I'm speaking, I'm speaking to myself. How can you sleep at a time like this? Get up and pray to your God. Sign number two, if you're a contradictory Christian, are you sleepy with your faith? Are you so comfortable in your bed? Are you so secure in your home 
that you don't even get up to do your part. Now, Jonah, he's so clever. He tells the sailors, like, he's to blame for the storm. So if you have not read Jonah, take the time to read it. It's only four chapters. He blames himself. He says, sailors, the reason the storm is because God is angry at me. So do me a favor. Just, just throw me overboard, and then I'll sacrifice myself. Now, sidebar, that, that's the ultimate excuse. Like, if you want to get out of work and you can't say, let's say you, you've used up all your sick days. Like, sorry, I can't come in. Some sailors have thrown me overboard. So Jonah's trying to find a way out. We can, we can be honest. Now, bear in mind... This sacrifice was merely an opportunity for Jonah to escape his calling to go to the city of Nineveh. So the sailors throw him overboard. And God is so... When you think you're trying to circumvent, you think you're doing it your way, God is still doing it his way. God's beautiful orchestration continues. He takes so many different moving parts that you think are unrelated, but he always uses it for his will. Chapter 1, verses 15 through 16, check this. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. A life-threatening storm turned non-believers into believers. A problem, something catastrophic. These people, as I introduced to you all, we wouldn't consider them Christians. We can say they became Christians, they became followers. But our hero, it showed his weakness. It showed his apathy towards God. Now we move to the scene that you've seen in the trailer. And I'm talking about um, when you see a commercial and you've never seen the movie, but you know that particular scene. Like, for example, I've never seen Jaws. I've never seen Jaws. But I know there's a scene like, we're going to need a bigger boat. Um, I've never seen Star Wars. I knew someone was going to say so I was waiting for it. For those of you online, somebody said what? I was waiting for that. I've never seen Star Wars. But I know there's a scene that says, Luke, or no, no, I am your father. So we're talking about the scene where even if you have not read the book of Jonah, you know the scene. We're talking about Jonah and the whale. So Jonah is swallowed by the whale, and this leads to Jonah's beautiful prayer of redemption. It's a story that us Christians love to hear about. uh, We love to hear about the stories where, like, you know, I, I was messing up and I was in the belly of the beast, and I prayed, and I said, God, save me, and God, save me. And like, those, those are the great stories. But as I told you, my intention is to blow your mind with the book of Jonah. I'm not worried about those come-to-Jesus moments that we tend to have on Sundays, that when you get a really good message and you feel like, okay, I'm going to change. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Andy. Thank you, Alpha. You, you told me something. I'm going to change my life. I'm not worried about that. That's a Sunday moment. My message is about your Monday through Saturday. My message is about after you get the word on Sunday and you carry on with your day, you might not follow in step. So four signs you may be a contradictory Christian. So I'm moving on to sign number three in chapter three. I'm in chapter three. Sign number three, you may be a contradictory Christian. Are you mediocre 
with your obedience. Remember, I'm talking about myself, okay? Not stepping on any toes. Are you mediocre with your obedience? When Jonah escapes the belly of the whale, he promises God, I'm going to go to Nineveh, and I'm going to do what you told me to do. So Jonah is prepared. Remember, his order was to go tell the people of Nineveh to repent. Tell the people of Nineveh that God's judgment is upon them. So Jonah, this great prophet, this, this person who, who's able to speak to people and change their lives, change their hearts, he is ready to give this stirring sermon. He's going he's to preach, and he's going to make you feel something in your spirit. And then we get to chapter 3, verse 4. And here we go with Jonah's sermon. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Period. I didn't add the period. Period. That was his sermon. Jonah is supposed to have a ministry. Jonah is supposed to do God's bidding, and he does it. He's faithful, but he only speaks eight words, an eight-word sentence. This is a sign that Jonah really wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. If you look at chapter 1 and the way Jonah speaks to the sailors, oh, it's me, it's my fault, here's the reason why God did it. So Jonah's a wordsmith. We can assume Jonah is not shy when it comes to dealing with people. But for whatever reason, when he gets to Nineveh, he, he fulfills his command, he gives this short, weak sauce of a sermon. And it almost makes you wonder, was he trying to sabotage God's bidding? I always tell my students, I teach, I'm a school teacher, and um, sometimes I teach writing, and I always tell my students, I don't want any mediocre writing. And they say, what's mediocre? The mediocre is like a really fancy word, and it, this is how I teach them what mediocre is. I say, pretend you want a pizza, and you want a pepperoni pizza. And you order the pizza, pizza comes, and they put a single pepperoni on this big pie. Now, technically, it's a pepperoni pizza, would you be satisfied with that pizza? My kids normally go, no, I want more than that. Well, they fulfill their obligation by putting a piece of pepperoni. They're being mediocre when it comes to their food. Are you mediocre with your obedience? Are you only serving when you feel like it? When you do serve, are you just there and not really smiling at people, not doing it with enthusiasm? When you're giving your tithes, are you giving so much that it doesn't interfere with your weekend plans? Are you mediocre with your obedience? Now, before I go on to this last sign, this is the hardest one to wrestle with, in my opinion. Um, Jonah was ordered to convert the people of Nineveh, and they do it. He gives this weak sauce of a sermon, yet for whatever reason, the people are transformed. Chapter 3, verse 10 says, When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Now, on the surface, this is a reason to celebrate. Um, this is the part where if they ended the book of Jonah, you'd be like, that's a pretty sweet story. 
But if you keep on reading through chapter 4, this is literally the part that blew my mind. Now, before I even get to chapter 4, if you are not familiar with it, I want you all to get angry for a second. I want you to think about the people who make you upset in this world. Wherever you stand on the aisle politically or socially, wherever you are, I want you to think about the people that represent the opposite. I want you to think about the worst of those type of people that represent the opposite. And the reason I want you to do this is because I want you to get upset. When you watch the news and you're like, why do they always do that? Think about those people. I'm in chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. So it turns out that Jonah's whole purpose for running away was that he did not want to instill God's brand of justice. Jonah went to instill Jonah's brand of justice. Jonah ran away so that he didn't have to help God fulfill his will. Jonah ran away and gave that weak sermon with the intention that God's justice would not be implemented. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And in this climate, and so, and y'all are older than me, and I don't know how it was back in the day, but I, I'm, I'm assuming right now it's the worst it's ever been. I'm assuming. I'm assuming. It's hard to love your neighbor when they're not doing things that you feel are right. So sign number four, you may be a contradictory Christian. Does it bother you that God shows grace to everybody? Does it bother you that the people who do wrong and the people who you think should know better, the people who you think could do better, the people who you think that, you know what, why don't you just, 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 just do better? It's not hard. Be nice. Why must you be mean when you're watching the news and you're watching these videos on Facebook, Instagram? Why are they doing this? Why are they so dumb? But does it bother you that God loves them the same way he loves you? Jonah chapter 4, verses 5 through 10, if I had to take away all the whole book and I had to say, what's the book of Jonah about? Al, if I have to read one part of Jonah, what's the one part that's the most important part? Jonah chapter 4, verses 5 through 10. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. 
And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. We get mad about silly things. Apparently there was a UGA game that didn't go so well. Apparently, maybe, yes. I don't watch football, I heard, and I bet you you got upset for that. We put care and energy and passion into things that have no spirit and have no soul. We care a whole bunch about objects and things that really didn't have parents, that didn't have a conscience, that when they pass away, they're going to either heaven or hell. Continuing on, verses 10 through 11. You feel sorry about that plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Think about, like I said before, the opposite of wherever you stand. Who are we to say God shouldn't care about people with a soul? Who are we to say God shouldn't still love someone just because they cut you off in the traffic and then use a turn signal? Who are we to say God shouldn't care about that person also? No matter if they voted differently than us, no matter if the decisions they make, we might, they might seem questionable. Speaking for myself, we put a lot of pride in our growth. We put a lot of pride in, in our spiritual love for the God. And then we look at others, we look down on them. Who are we to say they're not worthy of God's grace? I began this message with four signs you may be a contradictory Christian. I don't know about you all, but like I said before, I'm claiming all four. No one is perfect. I might not hit all four on the same day, but I know I don't hit all four at least once a week. But the beautiful hope behind all this, despite all of our flaws, God still cares for this great city. Despite the fact that even though we sometimes run away from our ministry, God still cares for this great city. Despite the fact that sometimes we can be sleepy and lazy, not do as much as we're supposed to do, God still cares for this great city. Despite the fact that sometimes that we can be half-hearted in our ministry, half-hearted in what we're really supposed to do, we have good intentions. We always say, God knows what's in my heart, but we still ain't right. God still cares for this great city. And despite the fact, and this is the hardest, Despite the fact that sometimes we get angry 
and we fail to forgive others just because they did something wrong to us 10 years ago, just because they did something wrong to us yesterday, just because you don't know how I feel, you don't know how mean and mad they made me, you don't know the stuff they did to me. It's deep and it's dark. You haven't gone through my pain. I can't forgive them. Despite the fact that we may feel that angry, God still forgives us. He feels sorry for such a great city. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you confessing that we have not been as obedient as we should be. Father God, we come to you confessing that we have not done all that we could. Father God, you put us here on this earth to do your word, to do your bidding. And sometimes, Father God, we fall short and we do it for ourselves. Remove our ego. Remove our wishes. Remove our wants and fill it with your will. Father God, we thank you for loving us despite our flaws. Father God, we thank you for chasing us. Thank you for chasing us even when we run away. Father God, thank you for making noise and always giving us an opportunity to wake up and shake us up. Even when we try to fall asleep. Thank you for forgiving us when we're disobedient. And thank you for always bestowing your grace upon us. Even though we may not bestow that same grace on others. Help us to do better. Help us to do better. Thank you for feeling sorry for such a great city. In Jesus' name, Christ, we pray, Lord. Amen.